Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today on um, Father's Day. I think we have a special service planned for that. We just celebrated the start of VBS in the Sunday school hour in our Family Life Center. Uh, they'll be meeting all this week if you'll pray for them uh, and the joyous gathering that they'll have every night uh, for Vacation Bible School. Um, two simple things uh, we have, as we do on many uh, fun Sundays like this, we have a photo booth in our social hall, uh, which is just right over there with a nice wooden backdrop and um, things that you can do for a Father's Day picture if you'd like to do that. And if you put something on social media, if you'll say something uh, about Memorial on there as well, it will help us. Um, and we've written everyone about Miss Jane Rhodes, uh, but if you have not heard, uh, she passed this week. Um, her service will be on Tuesday at 2 p.m. here in the sanctuary. And uh, very similar to uh, Wayne's service, there will be a visitation in the sanctuary just before for about 90 minutes. Um, so if you uh, will please pray for that family, uh, the children who have lost both of their parents uh, in the last month. That is, that is quite a change for them, uh, if you'll consider them uh, throughout this week. We have a prayer list every week in every Sunday school class and in the back of the um, sanctuary for you uh, that is tailored to the week, things that are going on in families uh, that would um, uh, love for you to pray for them. Uh, we hope that you get that. It's also in our email every week. And um, I think once you get used to the transition of that out of the bulletin, um, you'll love uh, the difference. So if you'll please uh, stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, uh, which is verses 1 through 4.
crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he jogged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to call forward our director of connection, Leanna Morse. Leanna, um, as you know, has been recently hired, and her job is to make sure that people who visit uh, find their way, people who have found their way um, find ways to find more depth in the congregation, and um, people that I visit in hospitals and homes that she follows up and checks on them she has already proved herself to be a tremendous asset, and she is going to introduce our families that are joining today. Good morning. I'm Leanna Morris, the Director of Connections here um, at Memorial. We had four families joining today, and I'm really excited about that. We had two in the 9 o'clock, John and Mary Kylan, and they typically come to that service, but hopefully they'll begin to come to both so that they can meet all of you here as well and Megan, Wayne, and Jackson Yaunt. And they joined us in the nine. And then we have two families joining us today, Ross and Alex Call, and Jesse and William Cochran. And if they want to come up here and join us. In the United Methodist Church, um, any covenant that we make, whether it be baptism, confirmation, a wedding, joining the church, it's not people up here participating on their own. It's not people sitting out uh, in the seat just kind of watching what's happening. Everyone is engaged in it, and that's what I love about our liturgy. Um, sometimes families wonder, what do we say when he asks us the question? If the answer is yes, you say yes. Okay. <laughs> if the answer is no, we can talk about that after. <laughs> As members of Christ's universal church, 
Will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? Nice. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And if y'all do not see witness in your hymnal, you need to write it there. That's been added by the United Methodist Church um, since the printing of these hymnals. It, it should say presence, gifts, service, and witness. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And the reason that matters is you're about to say it in the bold. Members of the household of God, I commend these families to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you and the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We're all active. None of us are simply watching. We're participating, joining with one another, strengthening one another, encouraging one another in this walk together. We are called to be together as we're on this walk. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Welcome. 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 If y'all will say welcome to these families. You can have a seat. Let me tell you something about the directory. It was our nightmare. It was the mountain that hardly anyone could climb, but we climbed it. And now that we've climbed it, we can simply add our, every new family that joins us into the directory. We'll put their picture there um, in the back. It will be alphabetized. And um, you can see our new families that have joined um, with the hyperlink in the email. And I'm, uh, I just think that's fun uh, that we can see that.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, on this day that we reflect on fatherhood, we consider those in our lives for whom the image of a father was not a pleasant one. We pray for their peace, for their worth, for their love. We give thanks for those among us for whom fatherhood was an excellent image. And we ultimately, Lord, give thanks to you for being the perfect image of love, provision, hope, and opportunity for us all. Something any of us can strive for in those qualities of a father. We pray for the Rhodes family who've experienced deep pain twice in such a short amount of time. We pray for their strength, for their rest, and for our ability to surround them in love. Help us, Lord, as a faith community 
to honor Miss Jane as we honor you. And as we read a story today of two people who would never encounter one another, and if they did, there would be violence, we ask that you help us to see both sides. The roots of their beliefs, the roots of their action and inaction, and ways in which we have behaved in similar fashion. Be present with us, Lord, as we proclaim your action among them. And the fact that the story that has happened between these two men did not stay back there, but instead is capable of happening again amongst us. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by or simply hand it. You can give electronically with the instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest, a visitor new to our church, uh, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely upon the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. Our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 19, starting with verse 1. And you can find that on page 1706 in your pew Bible. And if you like to read along, if you'll read it, uh, leave it open as I read different parts of it. Page 1706. Before we begin with the text, let's talk about the opening image of the day. The path. There's been many a time when I've gone with my family hiking um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Greenville, just around the corner where you have, uh, you go hiking and you see four different paths that you can take on a map. And sometimes they cross one another, but lots of times they're very different. One have, might um, rise more, one might be longer, one might have a different view from another, but you've got a choice to make in that moment. And you'll see spray painted on the tree the color that you chose, unless somewhere along the way, even though you started on one path, you've somehow ended up on the other one. They will all ultimately end up in the back in the same place, hopefully. If you think about that image, uh, it kind of captures every phase of our life. Um, there's been times in academics where we figured, you know, if I did this and I do this and I do this, then I will get to do the thing that I want to do. Or if I do not, then I won't get to think, do the thing that I want to do. It happens in relationships. You figure at the beginning, well, we're going to do this and then we'll do this and then we'll do this. And by the time um, we're 10 years from now, this is what we will be. Well, maybe. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. When you think about a career, Sometimes two, three different options are laying in front of you without a clear understanding of what the ramifications of each one will be. And you've ultimately got to make a choice based on the information that you have. But if you're thinking, if I just work uh, this amount of time in this office and put up with this person long enough, I will get to a point where I get to do the thing that I want to do. Maybe. My faith there may have been wild turns in your faith based on relationships that you had, based on who invited you to come to church or did not invite you to come to church, whether you wanted to go, whether your loved one wanted to go, the different people involved in that service, the extracurricular things that you would do outside of Sunday. Sometimes it's kind of straightforward. This is the path that I want to be on. But for so many, it's been very, very different from one way to the other. There's times when each part of the path builds on the other, decision after decision. And there's times when something comes along that truly changes your path. And that's what we're going to read about today. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. 
Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So your second fill in the blank. Raging on God's behalf. This is Saul's primary focus. This is something he feels he is directly called to do. His purpose in life is to track people down in the synagogues who are worshiping this man named Jesus, who are still telling the story of his life. He believes his pursuit is to take out any of these people by any means possible so that everyone in the synagogue can get back focused on what he thinks they should focus upon, which is God. A fundamental disagreement over the significance of Jesus, whether he's simply a man who had some wise words, a Messiah that was promised to these people, or a man who was a complete lunatic, taking people out of the faith community and down a completely different path. Which one do you figure Paul thought, Saul thought he was? A person who is completely derailing anything God would want. Do you ever have a sense that a person's like that? Whether it be a person in your life, a person in your church, a public figure in one way, shape, or form, you look at this individual, you read about this individual, you hear about this individual, you witness this individual, and you think this person is blocking anything good that God would ever want. Saul thinks anyone who believes in what Jesus did needs to be eliminated until he's knocked off his horse. Now, what do you want to bet? The men who are with him are pretty tough guys. They're probably vicious guys. When you watch television shows, when you watch movies, and there's a villain, and you can tell the villain from the very beginning, and there's three or four people with that villain following uh, him or her around, they're pretty tough. But they're not the villain. They're not the main one. They're relying on that person for energy, for direction, and to kind of be out in front of them, taking anything on. What would you think if you were traveling with this man who you thought was one of the baddest men in the region, knocked off his horse and blind and confused? It'd be a strange sensation, wouldn't it? It'd be confusing. What You wouldn't know what to do. Those voices that he heard, saw, the men there did not hear them. They just see their leader knocked off his horse, lying on the ground, I imagine like a turtle turned over, without being able to see. Now, uh, authors, television writers, movie writers will use a theme of an individual who couldn't see um, metaphorically, all of a sudden now cannot see physically, literally. And so this man who couldn't in any way, shape, or form understand what Jesus was doing and wanted to eliminate it, couldn't see that, now literally, physically cannot see. A man who found lists 
like the Nazis found lists, tracked people down, and killed them, now is relying his very life is in other people's hands in an instant. Because he cannot see, he's not eating, he's not drinking. So the thing we've got to ask ourselves, what would have given him the impression that he could determine who lived or died based on their profession of faith? Well, a couple um, Sundays back, we read a story about um, Stephen, who was willing to feed widows. He was willing to do the thing that the faith community was calling him to do. And when he did so, and when he talked about Jesus, the community got so angry that they dragged him out of town and killed him. And that day, laid their garments before this young man, Saul. So was it the community that gave him the sense that he could do what he wanted? Was it his own personal sense that he understood Scripture better than anyone else? He understood God's will better than anyone else? Was it the authority that the religious leaders gave him? Whatever it was, he felt he could determine who should be around and who should not be around. Now let's pull that to us. Have you ever wondered whether someone should exist in a particular environment or not? Now, I'm not talking about dragging them out of town like they did, but have you ever thought, you know, it would be better if this person wasn't here? We struggle. Especially when we think that someone is a threat to the thing that we are trying to do. When we feel that someone is a threat to the thing that we are trying to do, we feel uh, deputized to determine God's will for that person, whether they are included or excluded, and then we start to do what Saul did, which is rage on God's behalf. Instances of social media, of um, the different ways that we can communicate with one another on the internet have ramped up this practice three and four times. Because we don't have to see the individual anymore. We don't have to see their face anymore. Instead, we just have a picture of that individual or that group. And we rage against them sometimes in the name of God. We get that sense. So we've got to ask ourselves, what gives us the impression that we feel we can determine who should be included and who should be excluded? Now that's Saul's side. Blind, hungry, thirsty, confused, and lying in a bed wondering what on earth he's going to do next. Let's look at Ananias' side, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests 
to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Powerful. What was the initial thought of Ananias? Is your next blank. Those who are into loving those that you deem to be friendly. So there are times in every aspect of our church where people are divided along two lines. We need to enforce the rules at all costs. We need to love people at all costs. People who want to enforce the rules at all costs can fail those who are in real trouble, saying, you know, life would be a lot easier if you just followed the rules. Maybe one day you can be included in what we do. Maybe not, but maybe one day. People who want to love exclusively fall short when they say, we are to love everybody, and they're not loving everybody, so I don't love them. <laughs> what? But we do it. We do it because we can only handle a certain part of the picture. Our limited minds, our limited time, our limited spirits, our human struggling causes us to say it is about the rules or it is about love and I struggle with that other person. Ananias said, he doesn't love anybody. He hurts people. If I go there, he's going to hurt me. And Jesus, okay, you're a follower of me, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to people who didn't love me back, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to Jerusalem where people did not love me. Mm-hmm. And what did they do to me when I went to Jerusalem? They harmed you. If anyone proclaims that they truly love Jesus, but run at the sight of being harmed by people who do not love them, they struggle to follow Jesus, myself included. It's so much easier to be around people that align with you in one of those two categories, to read authors and watch people on television in one of those two categories, and to keep yourself separate from one another, and to hurl insults across one way or the other. What did God have these two guys do? Come together. And when they came together, what did Ananias say to Saul? What did he call him? Brother. And placed his hands on his head. And the scales fell from his eyes, and Saul 
physically see, literally see. And he could also see what Jesus was talking about, what God was talking about, because Ananias was there. Because Ananias laid hands on him, because Ananias said, you are part of our family. A tax collector who was taken way too much from his neighbors was drawn into the family. A woman on the edge of town who was ostracized by everyone was drawn into the family. A man who was literally tracking and murdering Christians was drawn into the family because God refused to allow those people to be separate from one another and simply talk about one another. So this is your final question. Am I willing to be God's chosen instrument? I love that phrase. He says, why are you talking about him like that? He is going to be my chosen instrument. You know how many times we hear about Saul who becomes Paul now? You know what portion of the Bible, the portion of the New Testament that is dedicated to his action and his writings? The churches that are dedicated to his action, his words? You know how many times we hear about Ananias after today? We don't. But what if he hadn't done that? What if he had not been willing to risk his very life to lay his hands on a killer, to allow him to transform, that they then go forth and serve God? Things you've got to ask yourself if you're willing to be God's chosen instrument. Can my path change if I am knocked off my horse? Can my relationships change if I have simply uh, aligned myself with people that think exactly like me? Can my allegiances change if I previously only followed one way? See, nobody gets on humans for only being able to understand part of the picture and live in that way until they are confronted. The trouble comes when they're given an opportunity and they say, no, I'm going to stick with what I've got. I'm going to stick with whom I've got. I'm going to stick with what I'm doing and what I'm saying because I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That's when we struggle. So the question for this entire week, for your Christian walk, for the commitments that we made in membership today to one another, am I willing to be God's chosen instrument? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able and join us for number 357, verses 1, 2, 3, and 6.
Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.